Hey, welcome back to the Fist Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. This is episode 300. I don't know what that was, by the way. Uh, I, I thought you were doing an Oprah imitation. You get a Daryl. <laughs> you get a Daryl. You get a Daryl. Um, but this episode 358 DC Studios is under the gun. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm honoring. I've been back on Twitter for the last couple of days, just like causing as much chaos as I possibly can, and it definitely fell over into my work, um, my work life. Um, but yeah, so welcome back. Uh, Daryl will be seeing Black Panther opening weekend. I will not because I was informed by Twitter that I'm not allowed to. So speak amongst yourselves. But uh, yeah, this week we are talking about the uh, all the cool stuff from DC Films, DC Studios, whatever they're going to end up calling it. Uh, I'm actually excited about it. We are going to talk about season one of Tales of the Jedi, which I actually watched. I have um, just under a week left on my Disney Plus account, so <laughs> I was like, ah. They're uh, 11 to 19 minutes long um, total runtime, so each of them are about 12 minutes. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, the kid bot and I sat down and, and watched it, and um, yeah. And then um, we're going to talk about the last the last, uh, last episode of Dragon Stuff. I just love how you still keep calling it Dragon Stuff. Well, I mean, what am I supposed to call it? Hot D. Hot D? No. <laughs> I'd prefer dragon stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds a little bit weird. I mean, dra- dra- dragon stuff is where it's at. <laughs> um, hey, I just realized I did not throw the uh, the titles into the last few episodes of uh, the show notes for you and uh, Jedi stuff. So, <laughs> Oh, I... Okay. Oh, I know. It's like practice yeah. makes perfect yep it's revelate or not, resolve is the last one yeah sith and lord practice makes perfect and resolve sith lord. uh anyway uh so as you guys get the background information of me shirking my duty d how you doing buddy it's saturday it's michigan michigan state day well it is right now so doing really well i'm rooting for whichever gotcha. team is from ypsilanti michigan uh okay <laughs> neither <laughs> wait no i'm voting for whichever team is closest to canada well technically one team is closer. i know I, don't <laughs> I don't care uh anyway i don't care i don't care i, I don't even know who the bearcats play the today so anyway let's just hop right into uh the DC Films, DC Studios, whatever they're calling it. Um, shocker, I guess. Uh, James Gunn is stepping up to be their uh, their Kevin Feige, essentially. Um, which is, I don't know. He's So he's going to be the co-chairman and CEO. It's called DC Studios. Thank you. Sorry. Um, with Peter Safran. Now... James Gunn is super creative. I like James Gunn. He's one of these guys who, you know, you gotta keep from getting out, of, get in, getting into his own way. Uh, so the addition of Peter Safran, I think, as the other co-chairman CEO, is is really good. Okay, I was just looking up Safran and some of so the stuff he did. He's the one who brought the Conjuring movies to us. Yeah, I see he's doing the Nun too. Yeah, as well. So he's producer for Shazam, Aquaman. Yep. Oh, Annabelle Creation, which is one of well, I mean that's I part of the Conjuring, my, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is Annabelle Creation is one of the best horror movies I've seen. Uh, like, anyway. no, yeah. no doubt. But but yeah, you know, I mean he's he's been a producer. He was on the producer on The Suicide Squad. He was the producer on Aquaman, or what I like to call Water Black Panther. Um. You know, he's he's done both of the Shazam movies. He's done Peacemaker, which I think I'm going to go back and finish that. Um, even though I wasn't, I'm try to do I that wasn't like a really big fan of it. I thought it was weird. I wasn't either. No. Um, yeah. And I don't know. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – here's the thing. 
I, I think with the two of them, oh, wait, hold on. I want to check something real quick. Oh, my God. He was the producer on Rocket Man, that Harlan Williams movie from the 90s. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that. Um, he was like the janitor who ended up getting sent to Mars or whatever. Um, he was the co-producer. Oh yeah, he did the scary. He did scary movie. Meet the Spartans. Yeah, I'm down for this dude. He's got the right amount of like cheese to do comic book movies and not take them too seriously. I still one. I think. Well, I don't think this is much better than where they were at. Let's just well, get that uh, out of Walter I, Hamada was a train wreck. Um, yes, Walter Hamada was. wasn't even a money man. Walter Hamada. I mean, kind of like everybody at the uh, the former DC Entertainment was a diversity hire. Yeah, Jim Lee. Jim Lee so, is a hundred percent a diversity hire. Jim Lee is an amazing artist. Not taking that away just, from him. Jim Lee is the yeah. worst publisher in the history of comic books. He's one of my favorite artists. One hundred percent comic book amazing artist. Amazing artist. Amazing again, creator. We've talked. I think we talked about this when he. Uh, few months ago or maybe even last year where you know what not every coordinator can be a head coach nope you can do your coordinator stuff and you can do it well but everyone can't be a head coach no look at romeo and Crinnell. great defensive mind yeah great defense matt patricia mind. matt patricia and like really we're just gonna Charlie talk Weiss. about the the people from the Belichick coaching <laughs> tree because they were all amazing commercials josh mcdaniel are yeah. just not great head coaches um and they, I'll go, they've I'll go all got NFL. multiple yeah so I'll go uh, AFC uh, yeah. or well, the Bengals. <laughs> Dick yeah. LeBeau. Dick LeBeau. One of the best. Yeah. yeah. Marvin Lewis. So, great defensive yeah. coordinator. Anyway. He was a decent coach yeah. for a couple years. Don I mean, Shula. Uh, anyway. Good, good, good uh, or Dave Shula. Good coordinator. Great quarterbacks coach. Yes. Horrible head yes. coach. Anyway. Um, Jim Lee. <laughs> great artist. Yes. A horrible. There's a pattern. Picture. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> Jim Lee and Dave Shula are definitely in the same category. Um, we just lost like half, like a 90% of the audience who don't follow Cincinnati fringe sports. Their, their eyes, <laughs> eyes just kind of glazed over right They're there. like, are the Bengals? They're a team still? Who? What? Are they? They're still around? <laughs> uh, anyway. No, I, I think this is really good. I one, I, I like I like James Gunn a lot. I, I think James Gunn mm-hmm. will again bring the Suicide Side Squad is not a great movie, right? But it was fun. It was better than the first one. Um I can look up what I, I gave it, but I'm sure it wasn't high. Um but yeah. the the reason I didn't like the Suicide Squad because it looked not great, right? Like right. Starro looked like <laughs> someone was in a costume, which they were, running around a, a miniaturized set, which is was was great for Godzilla in the fifties. Was great, and I love that they did a practical thing there. Mm-hmm. But they awful. still could have done practical and made it look better. Look at Farscape. Farscape came out in 1999, ran until 2003, and the 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 puppetry looks amazing. Like you know, the the special effects are not as great. Like they don't necessarily hold up as great because things have changed. Um, but they are better than a lot of like the modern special effects. Let's be honest. Like it doesn't look like anyone from Tech Mobile is like in the background. Um, but. I, like he he does have that. So if if he can take the look he had from from the original Guardians film, everything was bright, everything was vibrant, everything was fun, and 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 bring that especially to like a Superman movie. Think of Man of Steel two with Henry Cavill, Superman with the red trunks added to that costume, like, and he's. Like a pinch of Tyler Hochul, Hochum, however you say it, um, in there. Hockland, thank you. Um, with like just a, a, a bit of the nerdiness and sass. I would, I really would love to see more Henry Cavill as Clark Kent. Like, and not like Clark Kent proto Superman Clark Kent, like Clark Kent, like reporter at the Daily Planet. 
Mm-hmm. So I like I like this because, as you said, I don't mind when superhero movies are taken seriously. Right. All the Cap, all Captain right. America movies are like that. Right. What I like about James Gunn is, like you said, he has a style, and as long as he can be reined in. Guardians, the first Guardians is a perfect example. There's a lot of humor there, mm-hmm. but there is absolute ton of emotion and heart. Like, right. That it, scene, yeah. You know, when you you look at the beginning versus the end with Peter Quill losing his mother, spoiler, and then at the end with the you holding can't the power spoiler stone, a ten year old movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, it was being sarcastic, but it's so he. I, I this is going to be what DC needs to get their shit together and i and again i'm one of those i'm i've obviously liked the marvel movies more because they've been better for the most part except these last few years right kind of ignore that but i'm one of those as just give me a good movie superhero movie i don't care give me it be independent like that movie samaritan i wanted that to be really good that was you know something new i mean it 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 kind of fell flat for me in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. but overall i just want something good I don't care if it's Marvel or DC. I just want something good. And yeah. this is going to be another positive step for to get a consistent story, a consistently consistently good stories in the DC mm-hmm. universe as far as inter, as far as movies go. Right. Now, I don't know if if they said it is this I w- I wonder how they're going to handle the that's the small screen aspect because again, you know, we got Peacemaker. I know they're still talking about the. I think they're still talking about the Gotham prequel with the Penguin. I think. Yeah, I mean, so, I think but that's I, but, been filmed. Um, yeah, I think that I think that's ready so, to go. But from a movie perspective, mm-hmm. this is a very positive step because again, there's no denying James Gunn's talent and his ability to bring stories. And a, a vi- and the visual aspects of his storytelling as well. It's not just visual, but it's visual and story. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he and Saffron can cook up and put DC in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, so kind of tying into this, like, I'm, I'm really curious to see, like, what happens to the, the leftover... Um, Arrowverse move shows like um, Star Girl, and then uh, I don't know if you saw, but we're not getting Soups and Lolo until next year. Yeah, we figured that when you now when you say next year, you mean like that February aspect? They haven't or put a February, release date March. yet. Like they, I know you said that to me. Yeah, we like, probably wouldn't get it till that. But they don't February. even know. Like there, there was an article like it's not anywhere on the CW's calendar. Oh, really? But it's being filmed. I mean, they're filming right now. Yeah, right. So, yeah. So, Hobo uh, Max, Hobo Max. I, Hobo I know Max, I did, you know, with Hobo the whole Henry, Max. <laughs> with the whole Henry Cavill thing, yeah. one of the things, but well, it was, there yeah. was an article. And again, this is something we've talked about as well. As much as we love you know, Soups and Lolo, if it, if we can get a more focused DCEU, and that means cutting off what we have on the CW, even if it means Superman and Lois, yeah, that could be something, you know, uh, this might be the last season, especially with Henry Cavill back in, back in the tights or back I mean, in the cape or whatever. I'll be like, honest. Sometimes what, sacrifices have to be made and, 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 you know, yeah. in, in the land of glasses, tights and flight, you know, I, I, I think they've done a really good job at least on TV and movies, not diluting the Batman brand, even though Jorah Mormont as Batman was, or Bruce Wayne was maybe the dumbest thing I've ever seen a TV production do. Jaleesa Um, Leslie back as Red Death. What? Jaleesa Leslie is going to be back. I was going to say, then the flash (laughs) said, hold my beer. But, (laughs) um, yeah. So I you know, I I I'm a firm believer like you have to you have to throw everything away. And yeah. and like I, honestly, I think you 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 either it's not Man of Steel 2, it's just a new Superman movie and you happen to have Aaron Cavill playing Superman again and you're like, mm-hmm. "Look, the first the Snyderverse 
was what it was. We know it had fans, but we know this dude is fucking Superman. Yeah, what did uh, uh, Alexander Pierce say in The Winter Soldier? Uh, sometimes to build a new world, you have to tear down the old one. And, okay, Kylo like, Ren, you have to, I don't kill the future, <laughs> let it, or kill the past, let it die. Like, whatever. Like, I understand what you're saying there. But, <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I think, here's the thing. I think under Zaslov, these guys are going to be kept on a short leash as far as, like, how much they can spend and what they're spending it on. So, if they can keep Cavill, honestly, if they can keep Gal, um, I think that works too. The hard thing is going to be who is Batman? Who is Bruce Wayne? Because um, Pattinson is not on that level. You know, his Batman movie, The Batman, was cute. Like, you know, it didn't it didn't make a billion dollars. Um you know, if you want to keep, even if you want to keep Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker, but like have him play a different kind of, like have him actually play the Joker, not whatever that was. Um, I'm okay with that. But, I, you know, the, the casting is going to be what's really, really important. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it common. I, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what his schedule looks like. But before he gets too old to play Jon Stewart, let's make it happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I think though, I, I think what you can do and, you know, starting, if you want to, you have to start the franchise with Superman and I, I forget which episode it was. It was like 170 something. Um, I, like I have our 154 maybe. Um, like I, I put together an entire plan uh, of rebuilding the DC DC universe. Um, and I, 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 you know, you have to start with Superman. Um, and then, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then from there, um, yeah, you just have to, you have to start, you have to start with Superman and, and, you know, then you add your Batman in, then you add your Wonder Woman, and then you add your Green Lantern. But the thing is, is like, like Green Lantern, Flash, Green Arrow. You you can do this. Uh, it was episode one fifty one. It's called Rebuilding DC Entertainment. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out. But um, you can you can do this. You can you can rebuild and go from there and have. A cohesive universe, yet everything is standalone, but it all works together. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like when you look right. at uh, when when you look at things like Marvel, Marvel's just shared universe. But a lot of times in Marvel, we're left asking like, "Where's the Justice League and all? Or where's the Justice League? Where's the Avengers and all of this?" <laughs> right? Like, right? Iron Man is going through a a, a huge issue, and he talked to Rhodey about it and they, and the, the Mandarin or Trevor or whatever is, uh, going on TV talking about kidnapping the president. Where the hell is captain America? Yeah. Right. Like, it's- like this is, this is the thing you can have that interconnected thing and, and have other characters like show up a little more often, do team ups and things like that. But if you want to have like, this big expansive universe where everything is world ending. That is why winter soldier works so well. Like it was, it was so tied into what was happening at shield. And it was, it happened in such a short amount of time, timeline, timeline wise in the movie. Like that's what made that movie great. Mm -hmm. That's why it was like, where's the rest of the Avengers? Well, he had another Avenger and then he made an Avenger. He went and was like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna make, I need a sidekick. I'm gonna go make a new adventure. Correct. <laughs> yeah. I so, need a sidekick. <laughs> but I, you know, I here's the thing. In um I in the show notes, I have a link to the thinking critical, um, just kind of breaking about James Gunn taking over it. And I highly recommend it because Wes Wes was much more succinct about it um than I'm being because like I'm super excited, but they also have to focus on the comics. Marvel has failed at tying the comics into the movies and the TV shows. 
if they can take and, and, and tie the movies into the comic books and, and make the comic books like better, I think I think I think this is going to be a place where everybody wants to come work. Like everybody's going to clamor to be like a DC character. Like, oh, I can be Booster Gold, and no, not you, Nathan Fillion. Sit down. You're far too old. Um, you know, oh, I want to be Hal Jordan again. Not you, Nathan Fillion. Please sit down. We're not interested in in you anymore. Go do your little cop show and then have fun and retire. Um, <laughs> It's there's so much there, and and I love DC so much. I mean, DC is my heroes, right? Like, I like Marvel. I love DC. Yes, you do. So, I I don't know. At, at, At the end of the day, I'm just happy to see them moving forward with having creative people, having a creative director writer as one arm of it, and then having a producer money like money guy as the other side of it, I think works great. One of the things that really made me laugh is uh, all the article headlines that were like, oh, well, Kevin Feige gives his blessing. Who the fuck cares what Kevin Feige thinks? Like, yeah, this is this is a great step up with James Gunn. And, and James Gunn, um, who has not used Twitter to the best of his abilities in the past, definitely um, – I thought kind of knocked it out with this one. He says, not only do I love Kevin, he was the first person I told after I did the deal with DC. At John Cena was the second. Contrary to popular belief, a dollar less for Marvel is not a dollar more for DC. DC and Marvel have a common goal of keeping the theater-going experience vibrant and alive. Fuck yeah. I went actually like that tweet. Yeah. Do you know what the best thing is to get better? We've said this before, too. Competition. Yep. So, I mean, look at like, and- look at WWE. WWE was a shit, shit, shit product for, for 15 years. AEW came along. It started to get better. Vince left. Now Triple H is running it, and it's been really good. By the way, Paul, do not hire CM Punk. He's a locker room cancer. You have a good thing going, and you don't need his jabroni ass ruining it. Yeah. Anytime you can have competition, it forces it forces people to get better it forces companies to think outside the box and and go to their creative creative limits and break those limits that's why we see something like madden in the shit can because it has no competition if there are no other nfl licensed games and this is what we get over the last 10 years where madden has literally regressed from a technological standpoint so this is this is only good for this is good for Marvel because mm-hmm. again they're going to have to get off their asses and I don't know what the hell they're doing. Well, we know what they're doing. They're going to have to look at this, especially if in the next couple of years we get a good Superman movie. Yeah, and you know people flock. Marvel's going to have to change their tune, but also again more importantly than Marvel, us, the the fans are the ones that benefit most from this because, like we've said, just give us good movies to enjoy and you know just to get lost in that's all we want you know good mm. stories yep that's all we want yeah we just want good stories so it's just i mean it's ridiculous it's uh yeah it's too much so anyway i like i said i'm super excited about this and uh we'll, we'll see where it goes um we've been talking about this for 20 minutes let's let's move on to the next one um Tales of the Jedi uh, came out this week. I think it came out on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I pulled all the uh, the dates out of it because they all came out at once. Um, oh, I got to put, what's our out of 10? Um, anyway, so it's uh, all written. Every episode was uh, written by Dave Filoni. And uh, it, it bounces back and forth between stories about Ahsoka and stories about Dooku which I thought was great. And I told you, I I don't know if I told you this. I think I told you this. Now all I want to see is a live action, like prequel, prequel, standalone Dooku movie starring Adam Driver as Count Dooku. (laughs) I I could not, especially in the first episode with him where he doesn't have any facial hair. I couldn't unsee Adam Driver. Right? (laughs) Right? Right? (laughs) Uh, I love that we got Padawan Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, you know, there was a, there was, there was a bunch of fun stuff. There was a little, uh, um, although the timing was kind of sus, there was uh, a Kanan sighting again. Um, 
Yaddle That's now, who that was. Yaddle okay. now okay. has her third in canon death. So um, she's rivaling Shock T for the most in canon deaths um, done a different way. So <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to lie. So like, I, I don't want to go like, I don't want to go uh, part, yeah. episode by episode. I, I, I do want to say right. uh, the first episode was the worst. Um, yes. Because it was Ahsoka's birth. And it was also, I like none of this was really woke, you know, but it was the wokest <laughs> where the mom went off and did the hunting um, ritual and things like that. And of course, Ahsoka gets kidnapped by a saber tooth tiger. Yes. Like, and she of, tames the tiger. Right. Well, because she's she, Ahsoka it's, is Jedi. Yeah. Ahsoka is a Jedi. Let's use proper, let's, let's speak proper basic. <laughs> proper basic i like that anyway um so like like it was fine and and i'm glad they did it just to see baby ahsoka was great um but the tagrudas also like like ahsoka's dad was kind of just like a little soy boy and it's like no wonder no wonder the empire came in and, and 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 conquered you immediately so, uh, but the second episode is the one that hooked me. And and I'll say, so Dave Filoni and Saul Ruiz are an amazing writing, directing team. Saul Ruiz directed some of the best stuff from The Clone Wars. He directed those last four episodes. Um, or at least, very least, he directed the very last one. Uh, but the, like, Qui-Gon and, and young Qui-Gon, thank you, sorry, and, and Dooku showing up on on this planet to save a senator's son and then finding out things aren't what they seem. And did you read the Dooku book? I did not. Dude, you need to read the Dooku book. It is it What's is it fantastic. It's called Dooku. Um it's fantastic, right? And it's all about like it's it's all about from the time he leaves to be indoctrinated into the Jedi up through essentially the beginning of the war and when he's left the Jedi order and he's now count like of his planet, like he's the ruler of his planet. Um, and like, he's such an interesting character. Like we, we got, we got such the smallest glimpse of him in the movies and they did a, they did a pretty good job fleshing him out in the comics. But one of the things that I really liked about this first, like, introduction introduction to a younger dooku is he's so angry Mm -hmm. and and he's not he's not angry for anger's sake he's angry because of the injustice that he sees yes absolutely and 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 it it explains a lot of why he went the way he did he's one of 20 jedi in twenty five thousand years to leave the order not be expelled just be like you know what peace out i'm done you guys, I, you know what I yeah. like what you said to, what, so. before you started this is you said indoctrinated by the Jedi, and I, I think these two episodes, when I say these two episodes, uh, two and three, mm-hmm. really drive home the point that how how incredibly flawed and arrogant the Jedi are, and we've seen this in other iterations as well, in their inflexibility. Yeah. Well, um, I think in episode three, it's really shown the difference between Dooku and Mace. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Mace Window was Mace Window. Mace Window. <laughs> Mace Window. Because <laughs> he got thrown out a window. Anyway, um, that was a that was a Freudian slip. Mace Window is like his force power, the shatter point. And in his lightsaber style, uh, Volcrum or whatever it's called, he's tapping into the dark dark side constantly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in in Dooku, so Dooku scared the other Jedi, especially when they were young, because of the curved hilt of his lightsaber. He has a literally his lightsaber is made for dueling other lightsaber wielding folk. Mm-hmm. And the cloak that he wears is weighted to, like, help him, like, keep his arm stable, stuff like that. Um, like, he literally is trained, has trained himself to be the ultimate 
Jedi assassin. Like, and I'm not saying assassin for the Jedi. I'm saying to assassinate Jedi via one-to-one combat. Um, and, and so seeing the, the difference at the master level between him and Windu, I, I thought was was really good. And then the Sith Lord episode where Qui-Gon is telling Dooku about a possible Sith on Tatooine. Um, and then Yaddle... Um, tracking down Dooku Insidious was mm-hmm. was fantastic. And uh, Haley was freaked out by Yaddle because she had hair. She's like, the Yoda species isn't supposed to have hair. I'm like, well, she's not 900. And she's Grogu's mom, so shut up. Um, <laughs> I don't know if she's Grogu's mom. Um, that's, that I mean, Yoda been. had wisps of hair right. on his Well, on he his had dome. hair. He had like a ponytail like 200 years prior to everything. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess when you get that old, you yeah. know, the hair is just like, you know what? I'm out. The hair's like, peace out, yo. You haven't been using hymns. Not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, like, so these Dooku episodes were great. And I love the fact that it started. I, I love the fact that they bookended this with, with Ahsoka, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. But these these three episodes were really, really good in, in telling the story. Like, we got to meet Saifa Diaz a little bit. Um but telling the story of Dooku's fall from from falling out of love with the Jedi Order, like I think, is a really good way to put it. What was great, but then when he had to battle, wow, when he had to fight Yaddle, I was gonna say battle Yaddle. Um, when when he was fighting Yaddle, and you know, he definitely was not like full dark side there. He he did have reverence for her mastery of the Force. Yeah. So um she just was not I here's what I don't understand. Like I don't understand why she fell forward when the big giant door shut. Like why why not like jump backwards to like you know, I thought do whatever too. you can. <laughs> yeah, it's come on, yo. Um you gotta be around to save Annie. You died saving him. That's how you died the first time in canon. Um so <laughs> Um, but it was, it was great. And and I loved, I loved that she was not as acrobatic as Yoda. I loved right. that she was, uh, she was closer to Obi-Wan style of defense as offense. Um, mm-hmm. especially against the more powerful and skilled, um, lightsaber duelist. So that was, that was really good. I half expected Sidious to, uh, shoot her up with force lightning when she was holding the door open. I I expected that as well, and I'm really glad they didn't. So because you just got you got Dooku walking up and just kind of like <laughs> popping her with his lightsaber. Yeah, I this is this is an example. This whole series is an example of how, in in deft hands how even a ten or twelve minute short can tell so much and can fill in so much from characters that we've known for decades. This was. I wasn't sure about it because, again, uh, Star Wars Visions, for example, a little different because it wasn't really about characters we knew for the most part. But there were some Star Wars Visions episodes that I liked and then mm-hmm. some of them that were just not good. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that was more of an experiment. Yeah. This was more of along the lines of adding into the Star Wars lexicon with, you know, because, again, you had Dave Filoni writing all these episodes. I, I really I was really pleasantly surprised at first yeah the first 10 minutes of the the first episode life and death I was a little bit worried but right. after getting into the episode two and three especially I was I was really into it and yeah. I'm glad we got this yeah. I don't know if this is good are they I hope they do more of this stuff because so we're watching midnight mass and mm-hmm. it's a limited series right mm-hmm and Jess asked, like, what's a limited series? It's just like, it's just one that's just one season. It's out. It's done with. And we've, me and the two of us, we've talked about it before, how we, you don't always need shows with multiple seasons. This right. is one of those, though, because of the type of show. Star Wars is so massive in the universe. Mm-hmm. I love that we got Dooku and Ahsoka. I do want to see more, maybe in the seasons down the road, where they explore the Star Wars universe 
not within that 100 year time frame. Right. I would love to see more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would either like to see it like way in the future, like 2,500 mm-hmm. years later or something like that, or like at the birth of the Jedi order. I would love to see that. Yeah. So, um, but not with the the people that they have in charge right now, like Kathleen Kennedy. No, can go. no, no. All right. So let's copy yeah. these last two episodes. Uh, Practice makes perfect and resolve. So resolve is actually um, an animated part of the Ahsoka book. Oh, okay. So okay. they took part of that story and animated it. Um, and this so resolve is episode six. And I, I'm going to say just spoiler. There's a part in the book where she like essentially unbleeds the Kyber crystals um, from the Inquisitor. And I so wish they would have shown that. That was that was pretty sweet, though. Oh, the, yeah. Her taking on the Inquisitor with no lightsaber was awesome. Um, so. Uh, but I really want to focus on episode five, Practice Makes Perfect. So this is the one that ties most into Clone Wars. We got my absolute favorite version of Anakin Skywalker um, back on our screens. And the the taskmaster of, a, of a, a master Padawan relationship that he had was amazing. Like, we didn't get to see any of this in the... We didn't get to see any of Ahsoka's, like, training necessarily in the Clone Wars. But watching this and when she won, Anakin was late and, and Obi-Wan's like, you're late. And he's like, oh, I thought or, or he was like, he was like, sorry, I thought it was late. And he goes, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> when he's like, you're right on time. Um, and then yeah, Ahsoka, did the same, Ahsoka did the same thing to him. Um, and he's like, yeah, exactly. So it's like, oh, yeah, master, <laughs> master and apprentice. Uh, <laughs> but when when she went through and she passed like the Jedi test. She did not pass Anakin's test yet. And, you know, it it explained it, it did so much to explain why she never she never ever could have beaten Anakin Skywalker in a lightsaber duel. Mm-hmm. Like right. she could never have beaten a Darth Vader version of Anakin Skywalker. That was all like, oh man, baby. Um, but it also showed why in Rebels later on. She was able to like hold her own with Vader, uh, mano y mano, mm-hmm. and I just I loved it, and I, I loved Rex. I loved I loved when Fives. Sorry, Commander. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesse tagged it real good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, just the. <laughs> You lasted five minutes this time. Um, <laughs> and I'd love to, and again, you know, you're waking up sooner and sooner every time. <laughs> but I mean, but like, this was fantastic. And then, like, I swear to God, when this episode ended, it was dusty in the room because they oh, opened that door man. and it's like, you know exactly what's about to happen. Yeah. And again, this is I, obviously, I don't have the same relationship with Clone Wars only because I didn't watch it from beginning to end. So mm-hmm. I didn't know Ahsoka as well as, you know, the character that Filoni well, created. Ahsoka much was but, horrible at the beginning. Like she was an yeah, awful but, character. But I do remember those last four episodes, which were some of the best storytelling and not just star Wars, but just storytelling you could get yeah. and seeing that like kind of come full circle in, in that way, in that respect. Cause honestly, when, when they surrounded the first time he took the, her to train with the clone, clone troops in this episode, yeah, I immediately thought back to those last few episodes of Rebel or mm-hmm. not Rebels, but of, of Clone Wars. Clone Wars. That. Yeah, I and mean, then, she like spins around, yeah. she cuts the hole kind of in yeah. the floor, and, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then to get that, to, that that's what you do. That's good storytelling. Mm-hmm. That's masterful storytelling right there. And again, this was the sh- the shortest one I believe. It was like mm-hmm. twelve minutes or so. Yeah. But it was it do, it did so much in that time. I tell there you was what, no wasted space. It's the only one I would buy. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know yes. if I'd buy the whole season necessarily, but practice makes perfect is the only one I would actually buy. It, it, yeah, so well done. So, so well. Done. Um, and then the other great thing was like showing her with the one lightsaber and then switching to the two, and how mm-hmm. how her style and form. Adapted and became her own, and you know, 
it was uh yeah. it was it was very 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 good and i'm really happy that dave um dave did that like dave that dave was the one who did this mm-hmm. yeah anyway all right so out of 10 why star wars show why star wars should only be animated what do you give it <laughs> oh hashtag truth right there I'd give it a seven and a half. I thought it was, again, it started off slow, but just the depth and the storytelling in such a short, in such short snippets, it just, it just, again, shows like that right now, Dave Filoni is far and away the best thing as far as storytelling goes for Star Wars. It's just unfortunate that we have the other people surrounding him. Right. Yeah, so I I went seven out of ten. Uh, I thought it was I thought I like I other than the first episode I really liked the whole thing, but I, I think mm-hmm. episode five just really 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 stood out. So yeah, and like I said, I really hope we get more of these with that care and love of mm-hmm. storytelling. As and again, Filoni generally does a, a yep. bang up job with this stuff. So I, I look forward to them doing in season two, and like you said, hashtag. Keep Star Wars animated. Yep. All right. Let's move on for the last time in 2022. Dragon stuff. Dun, dun, dun. So we're not getting dragon stuff back until 2024. There will be no oh, dragon that? stuff in 2023. Okay. Um, they have they have gone like further and further. Like you know, like we get like a new season of Secession every other year. We get a new episode of, you know. Um, Westworld or season of Westworld every other year. So, you know, I'm 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 not surprised by this. Um but man. Oh, excuse me. What a finale. Um I, I do I do fully think um I, I think this time jump is really gonna kill them. I don't I, I don't after watching the finale. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, after locked in the finale, and we've—that's something that I've been worried about for the last few weeks. And after watching the finale, mm-hmm. that is absolutely burned into my head that this—the the idea of jumping time, jumping so often and so not like six months, but like six years, ten years, whatever—in one season, for the longevity of the show and for the kind of the pacing and what what comes after. It really, it's really hamstrung them. Yep. Yep. Really. Um. Yeah, because like you, you didn't care about Luceris dying. Spoilers. Not at all. Sorry. Like no, I was, yeah, I was more sad about uh, Arax, Arax. However you say it. Yeah. Getting, getting bit to pieces. Um. But like you know, like one of my few gripes, in and it's not, it's not a nitpick. I think it's a major issue. Is that the way they jump, jump? Sorry, jetpacked through the foundational character building necessary for us to care about these people. Yes. So here's the thing: we know how Renera dies. We know this because Joffrey told us in season one of Game of Thrones, or season two mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones, when. When the the dance of dragons ends, and actually, um, uh, Stannis's daughter told us about it too. Shireen, Shireen, thank you. A- Aegon feeds Rhaenyra to his dragon, mm-hmm. and she the dragon eats her in six bites and leaves part of her for like the vermin to eat in front of her children. We are supposed and to care I, about this, and 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 we are not going. It's not going to hit the way the red wedding hit. It's not going to hit the way Joffrey's death hit. It's not going to hit the way Jon Snow getting killed and coming back to life hit, or Igret, you know, for that matter. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna. It's not gonna hit the way. The, the atrocities, the many atrocities that were, were committed against Sansa Stark, right? Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. like, like I liken it to Rickon's death, right? 
Rickon disappeared at yeah. the end of season two. We didn't see him again until the Wormwoods or whatever they were called handed them over to the Boltons. And then instead of serpentining through the field, he ran in a straight line so Ramsey could shoot him. Yes. You know, like, but that, that death, the, the hardest part, the hardest hitting part of that death was the reaction of Jon Snow, not because Rick and Stark was dead. Yes, I was just, I was going to say that. That's the only reason there was any power behind it was Jon Snow's reaction. And sir, yes, as, sir. as if being a character death of a Stark kid, mm-hmm. child, right? That being the only reason that you're affected by it, that shows that there was a problem because this character was wasn't put in front of us in the way of us bonding with him. Right. The last the same true-born is- male Stark, as far as the realm mm-hmm. knew. Yeah. And the same thing happened here mm-hmm. in this in this finale where, again, I knew it was going to happen because right. I know the story right. because of From Fire and Blood. But there was no type of, oh, damn, that happened? Mm-hmm. It was just more like just a spectacle of another right? like, one dragon just damn. crunching another dragon. It's a shame how... Pieces. It's a shame how Aemon's dragon ate that other dragon up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, mean, yes, the, the reaction to, uh, what's it, Emma, Emma Darcy that mm-hmm. plays Renera. Yeah. I, I mean, that was fantastic. Right. But again, it's not just about a character's reaction. This should have been something that we reacted to viscerally in the sense of we over six seven episodes we got to know luceris we got to know arax and that was the other thing i i've I've mentioned this a couple times where we haven't gotten enough of our main characters Mm -hmm. uh kind of yeah reacting or not reacting but uh any of their reactions and uh just working with their dragons right we we didn't we haven't gotten it and again no. we don't need like and the dragons are expensive but, and i get that but like yeah. at, at the same time you're absolutely right uh this this series needed more breathing room to mm-hmm. get its feet under it and i'm not so I, I like here's the thing this show got its feet under it in episode one like mm-hmm. it, it it knew where it wanted to go the problem is, other than having Sarah Hess on their writing staff, is that they wanted to get there really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Like, almost too fast. And it's... I don't, I don't understand the decision. I don't understand the decision to recast the... Uh, the Strongs and the the young Targaryens three times in one season, like in in the, I'm just talking about the the children, not not even, you know, um, Alicent and Rhaenyra. Yeah, it, and again, it just it, it really messes with continuity. Not continuity. I'm sorry. It, just the i the idea of getting to know these characters because the first five episodes getting to know Allison, getting to know Renera was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And then just abruptly, Oh, they're, we're, we're not getting them anymore. I mean, I knew you kind of knew that, but yeah, it it was, it was like another pilot within middle, the middle of the season, because we're we're having to learn these characters all over again Mm -hmm. when it should have been really should have ended with them or at the very least maybe done the time jump the last part of episode 10 well yeah like i said this could have been episode 10 as a as a um a prologue to the first nine episodes right because typically typically game of thrones was written like a book the first episode was a prologue the last episode was an epilogue and the story happened in episodes two through eight or two through nine you know which right. I, yes. I, I thought was a great way to tell the story. And that's why the last two seasons weren't so great because they got away with that. They just did 10 episodes and then seven episodes um, with no like no real preparation there. Not, not that they didn't have preparation, I'm sorry, but no like preparation for us to understand the beginning, the middle, and the end of the story for that season. Yeah. That's a really good point. So... Uh, 
I and some of the <clears throat> things and you mentioned Sarah Hess. Some of the things <laughs> mentioned that, like the Shrek scene, never happened in the books. <laughs> no. I've got yes. I'm going to be calling it the Shrek scene. Now. I'm Thank sorry you that I much, Brian. That that yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was a great you know end. But then you have, and this is the problem when you introduce stuff that wasn't in the books and you don't understand the characters yeah. and you don't understand the situation is Renice says when, when Damon says, Oh, you could basically could have burned them alive or right. burned them up. She is like, it's not my war. Right. Which is or fair. It's, it's that's, not my, that's a which great, is fair. the problem yeah. with that, the problem, there's a problem with right. that. She knows that what happens now mm -hmm. is going to involve her family. Right. There's going to be death in her family. And I don't want to spoil, I'm not going to spoil what happens to her. And what happens, you know, to some of the people in her family? It's not good. Let's just say, let's just say that. And and again, one thing I do like, and I've always liked about Game of Thrones, it shows how one choice mm -hmm. can affect so much. We talk about how Cersei thinking that Joffrey was ready to. About Catelyn arresting Tyrion. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about Ned not taking the throne when Littlefinger offered it to him. Right. All these things create such havoc. And Renice not doing that, even though again, this what she did. This this was never an issue in the books because that that scene never happened. Her saying that, and what happens after the fact, where she could have ended all of this with one command. Mm -hmm. And and again, this is what Game of Thrones is about, and that's one of the things I love about it. It's yes, it's this epic fantasy, but it's always about people and choices they make, and how one choice can really affect everything around you. Right. So in that regard, it did a good job because even though it didn't make sense because she knows that her soon to be son-in-law, her daughters are going to be involved in this. She's going to be involved in this to say what she said. Yeah, it sounds nice. But in reality, it's going to she's she knows she's going to be a part of the war. Right. She knows all these people can die mm -hmm. and she could have ended it right there. Right. You know what Tywin Lannister would have done? Tywin Lannister would have been like Dracarys. <laughs> And then he would have taken a breath and he'd be gone. Dracarys again. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would have Man, turned the dragon one. around to everybody in the room and he'd gone, just wipe him out, Dracarys. <laughs> yeah. So, Charles Dance was great. But anyway. Yes. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, I, I, well, one, I'm, I'm going to ruin this even more. I, I did a little edit of that and I put that Counting Crows accidentally in love song over mm -hmm. while she was wiping everybody out. <laughs> come on, come on. That's funny. And then uh it's like when when uh when Melis screams and then goes accidentally in love. Oh <laughs> uh, I don't want to get copyright struck by posting that but anyway but yeah, no, I know what you're saying, and and here here's the thing. Um, again, jetpacking through everything. I I think mm -hmm. yes, it was a very cool scene, but at the end of the day, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was it was the highlight scene, like it was the highlight spot of the uh, of the season, right? Yep. Like yes, th this this is a this was Ricochet and 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 Will Osprey, like you know, spot fest <laughs> moment there. But that being yeah. said, uh, they 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 you know pinched a penny to lose a dollar. Yes, and again, what in that the what is it the inside the episode where I mm -hmm. whatever said like I forgot which one person says it, but yeah, she didn't kill her because she was another mother. Or something well, that's what along Sarah has lines. said. Why Sarah has should probably yeah. be fired because Sarah. Yes. Sarah so how many mothers did Renice kill? Yeah. Hundreds, how many mothers hundreds. did she kill? She killed hundreds of she, people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yes, and how um, many? And again, how many yeah. mothers? And how many sons? Fathers, brothers, sisters, daughters are going to die because. Yeah. She didn't kill this person because she knew she was a mother. Too. I mean, think about this. That makes no sense. If she that doesn't, makes no sense. if she doesn't, if she, if she kills these people, Dick on Tar Tarly probably never gets eviscerated by, eviscerated by fire. <laughs> and Braun can't make fun of his name. 
stick on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a whole uh, butterfly effect. But no, I mean, like, this is this is the thing where they, they don't, the, the, this is why George R. R. Martin needs to finish this, all of this shit. Just write it. Just get it all written. And, and, and like, it doesn't, you don't even have to publish it yet. Just get it done so it can be put out there. So that these, and then don't bring these people in who don't understand the gravity and the consequences in storytelling. Because what she did here by doing that made Renice look worse. Yes. And, and, you know, like up until that point, there was the very real conversation like, well, she should be queen. Like the queenship was stolen from her by her grandfather who gave it to her cousin, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she has done enough in the realm that she probably earned that they definitely earn that right, but definitely earn the respect of a lot of the small folk. And then in that moment, it's like, oh yeah, no, now I see why he didn't do it. She's weak. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it, it, to, to, so it's funny that a lot of the complaints of Game of Thrones, and again, this is more recently because you know people or dumb more recently than they were a few years back. Whereas about the overindulgence of violence and sex and all this stuff. And they just, how about this season where how many just graphic childbirth scenes did we have? Uh, and like 75. <laughs> and there was, and again, a couple of them I understood even if it was again once again different from the books okay whatever but what we got in this episode was absolutely and again i even said some of this sometimes with game of thrones stuff i was like okay that was not necessary to see that there was no need to see Renera's childbirth no need to see it with that no, type of none whatsoever like none yeah, whatsoever. It was, it, that's that gratuitousness that like Martin does with his like storytelling style. Oh, absolutely. He does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, he does. So, and again, I'm, I've one of those. There was, there were times that the regular game, the original series, where I was like, okay, you did. We didn't even need that. Why did you do that? Yeah. And they do the same thing. They do the exact same thing. These pe- some of the, right. and again, the, these people like, and again, I know Sarah has wrote the or like, you know, was is a writer, but the people behind it who are answering complaints of some of the stuff that happened in the original game of thrones where it's too you know too much about the guys and mm-hmm. it's an over that was an overcorrection, and they didn't learn from the critiques they were given the other show so i mean well, that no that's i mean this is this is the matriarchy version and you know honestly you see why the matriarchy didn't last with the decisions that they have these women make right and again yeah, she's the one holding it together where all the men would go to war. That's what Renée says to Corliss at one point. <sighs> yeah. Where it's like that that that's another one of those eye-rolling things. And and I know it sounds like we yeah, we didn't like the series or when we talk about well, it, that's but that's the thing is with all of this nitpicky stuff, yes, it's still good. That's the problem. Yeah. Is it should be great. Like this should th- absolutely have been great. This should be the absolutely. cultural touchstone that Game of Thrones seasons 1 through 5 were. Mm-hmm. Yep. Actually, let me and that. seasons one through six because Battle of the Bastards was in season six. Um, yeah. But oh my gosh, I love God, that's a great episode. Like, man, yeah. talk about like getting a feel for what medieval war must have been like. You know. Uh huh. I mean, yeah. even though there was a giant yeah. there, um, but you know, maybe there were giants. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was. It's just fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, but right. yeah, you're right. This oh, yeah. this was Sorry. still good. I really, I st- I really like this season. I with some tweaks and people that did uh, that were more focused on storytelling than telling sending a message. Uh, this could have been great, like you said. But still, I still really enjoyed this season, despite the ups and downs, and despite the complaints I have for it. Right. Yeah. All right. So for the episode. Out of five fully dismembered dragons, 
What do you give it? I, I give it a 3.75. I thought it was a good episode, and I might have... I think my issue with it, other than what we've said, was not the episode's fault, but where it was kind of like, you know, painted in the corner where, where we had to go based on the decisions they made beforehand. So the decisions made beforehand affected what this episode could have been, and it limited it to me. Like, you know, when you talk about degree of difficulty, I, I, I talk about the potential, the potential, and right. the potential was always limited with this episode just because of fast forwarding sure. you know and back, the backpack or fast tracking through 20 years mm-hmm. when it didn't need it so 3.75 out of 5 i still you know i enjoyed it and it it, it, w- it was never going to be able to get you know higher than say a 4.25 from me just because of where where you know what where, where season one led it sure i went with a four out of five um just because I, you know, I like I said, I really like the episode. I like the way it ended. I, mm-hmm. I, I like where we're going with it. You know, like all out dragon mm-hmm. warfare. I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm interested in that. <laughs> yes. So yeah. All right. So season one of House of the Dragon, or more, more widely known to the public as Dragon Stuff. Dragon Stuff. <laughs> um. So out of ten one-eyed ballless dragon riders, what do you give this? Uh, that's this is a tough one. I, I think I'm going to go do what I did with uh, Tales of the Jedi. I'm giving it this a seven point five. I again, there were a lot of mistakes and a lot of missteps, uh, mischaracterizations of characters, but overall there was some fantastic, you know, work done. There's some good, good drama, some excellent acting. Uh, Patty Constantine was just phenomenal, especially his last right. hurrah in, in what episode eight was just it, it was that was my that was my highlight of the season. So it's just that's how good I thought he was in that episode. I really like Matt Smith, uh, Emma Emma Darcy. I think she'll you know with a few more episodes she'll grow on me. Yeah, but like I still miss Millie Alcock. I think that was her name who played yeah. the younger Renera. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, 7.5. I thought this was a really, really solid show. And it, even though I had issues with it, like we've discussed over the last several weeks, I really liked it. Uh, it's something I will actually watch again oh, when, yeah. before season two comes around. I'm, I, like you said, yeah. I'm really I'm excited for where they're going. I know where they're going in the sense of, you know, dragon warfare. I'm just not in love with the speed at which they're getting sure yep uh so i went 7.25 out of 10 um just because i did have a whole bunch of uh of nitpicks in in things like Mm -hmm. that uh but i will say this made me want to watch game of thrones again so i I think yeah you said that yeah and and i'm on on episode three (laughs) so of a season one um but yeah it's like yeah, it this this is a fun show for the most part, and it's it's mostly well written. It looks beautiful, um, other than some of the dark darkness complaints. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's you know, I did think the dragons got better. Uh, the first couple episodes, I thought they looked terrible. Yeah, they got better as this were, as it went on. They further. got better as the season went on. Yeah. Yep. So. All right. Well, on that note, um, thank you for listening. I want to say something kind of funny, but it's awful at the same time, so I'm not going to say it. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week with more um, stuff. And, um, yeah, Daryl, enjoy enjoy going to see – Wakanda forever in the opening weekend by yourself. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, Jess and I will, will go get drinks or something and, and you can tell us how um, it is now Aquaman two because so it'll be, it'll I, be I will underwater black Panther two. <laughs> so to quote uh, our, our boy uh, William Riker in that one show, uh, false. That never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Total fabrication. (laughs) Anyway, on that note, we'll see you all next week. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.
All right, see ya. The Infamous Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Infamous Podcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamous podcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.